welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Morning. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You can have a seat. Thanks for the intro, Byron. This is a great church. I'm so happy to be here talking with you this morning. What? Let's pray. Dear God, Lord, we thank you that you have brought us together this morning in your name. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for the word that you have for us this morning, God. Teach us. Teach us more about your ways, about your love. We want to hear from you, God. We are hungry for you this morning. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Cool. So, church, let me ask you, did you get a good sleep last night? No, yes, yes, no. Mine was good. I think I only had to get up once to the kids, so that's a pretty good night. Um, Yeah, that's a good night. So just recently, I had begun to wake up super early for no reason. Nothing was waking me up. I wasn't anxious about anything. I was just waking up. Firstly, you know, like before 6, and then it got to 5.30, and even 5 o'clock, even before 5 o'clock, I was just waking up, felt awake, I was tired but just couldn't get back to sleep and it was really frustrating, it was getting really annoying. It went on for about a week or so, a week or two maybe. So I prayed about it, um, got my sleep scriptures out and just prayed that I would, you know, have good sleep, you know, sleep for a good amount of time and be refreshed because it was getting to the afternoon and I'd be exhausted. It was really annoying. So um, I prayed and then the next day I just slept until a regular time. And then it it didn't really happen after that. So kind of claimed back my sleep. And it just reminded me of how important good quality sleep is, right? I mean, we were designed to need sleep. We can't get away from that fact. You know, it could have been designed a different way, right? God could have made us superhuman and so that we didn't need sleep. You know, we just worked and did stuff all the time, 24 hours a day. But he didn't do it that way, did he? He designed it so that we had to rest and we had to sleep. And important quality sleep is what we need. But if we allow ourselves to sleep spiritually, we close our eyes to the things of God. So we stop hearing from the Holy Spirit. We stop understanding God's ways and what God wants for us because our eyes are closed to it. We can be awake in all kinds of different parts of our lives. So you could be wide awake and switched on in your career and making money and and going for it that way. Socially, you know, we can be switched on and having fun and going out and, you know, meeting people and all of that. So in all other areas of our lives, we can be awake and happening, 
but still we can be asleep spiritually. So what I want to talk to you this morning about is how does that happen and what does that look like? So I'm going to read a parable that Jesus told. It's so Matthew 13, verse 24. And Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. So see there, when did the enemy come? While the men were asleep. So when they had let their guard down, so they hadn't set anyone up to watch out. They were obviously there to guard the field and the seed that they had sown and they fell asleep. And so the enemy came and he planted those weeds and he ruined that crop. They weren't able to defend themselves because they were asleep. And it just happened. You know, they were working hard during the day. They were planting in the field. It would have been hard work and it would have taken a long time, but they did it. And then all of a sudden, their work is over, ruined, just because they fell asleep. They couldn't stay awake and guard the work that they had done that day. So how do we fall asleep spiritually? The enemy came here to plant those weeds. And the enemy is still amongst us today. That's the devil. He hates you. He doesn't just hate Chris and Ruth because they're running this church. He doesn't just hate the leaders of this church or the people that you know who are more spiritual than you or who you think they're more spiritual than you. He hates you for sitting in this church and believing the word of God and trying to live a Christian life. He hates all of that. And his plan is to stop all of that and destroy it. So let's not forget about the devil. You know, sometimes we get a bit complacent and we forget that he's out there roaming around just waiting to attack us and waiting to bring us down and waiting to, to ruin everything that we have worked for. Um, I was listening to a sports program on the radio in the car the other day. Um, I don't know why I didn't change it, but it was on and I was listening to it. Um, and they were talking about the NFL, so American football, and how these coaches and the playmakers have become so paranoid about the other side knowing their game plans that when it comes time for the team kind of huddle, so I guess they call a timeout, you know, stop the game, everyone come in, this is what we're going to do next. This is the play that we're going to make now. So the coach will come in, and even though there are thousands of people in the crowd and it is so noisy, no one could hear it except the players right there, they now cover their mouths so lip readers can't see what they are saying and then run off and tell the other side what they're doing. So that's how paranoid they've become that the other side are going to learn their plays. So they try and hide it. But you know what? The devil's plans are not a secret. His plans are not covered up and secret. Jesus has made it very clear what the devil's game plan is. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. 
That is his game plan for your life. It's no secret. The devil doesn't run up to your front door and knock and announce that it's time for an attack and it's time for you to be tested and this is how I'm going to do it. But at the same time, you know, we can't claim ignorance and say, oh, but I didn't know that the devil was going to do this and I didn't know I was going to be attacked and he was going to try and come in and, you know, take what I've built. Because Jesus has made it clear. Like the Bible also says, we are not unaware of his schemes. So we know what he is about. We know that the devil wants to lull us into a warm and comfortable and deep sleep, a spiritual sleep. That is his plan for us. So we close our eyes to the things of God, to spiritual realities, He wants to take our focus off centering our lives around Christ and making decisions accordingly. Because who knows that that doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by accident that, you know, we make a commitment to come to church every Sunday and serve and live godly lives and raise our children in church and be good role models. That's not an accident. That takes conscious decisions and reviews of those decisions as well. So it is a choice to do that. And so the devil will try and come against that in any way that he can. I think one of the main tools of the devil is distraction. So he will try and pull our focus off what we're doing. He wants to give us such a full and busy life, full of stuff, that we just don't have time for God anymore that we just can't really see God and and church becomes a bit distant and those teachings just become a bit far away from us because we're so full of other stuff. And I think these days especially, you know, one of those main other things that he uses to distract us is entertainment. You know, we have more options more entertainment options than ever before and they are literally at our fingertips you know you have a device in your hand and there's a million different distractions right there i think it used to be more of a conscious decision to you know to you wanted to watch a movie so you'd go to the movies or you'd go to the store and buy it or rent it or whatever but now it's like a conscious decision not to watch all that stuff and not to play those games and all of that stuff because it's right there so why not you know That's like any spare time you have will just do something on your phone. It's not just TV and movies, it's social media, it's gaming, um, online shopping, the list goes on and on. And these things aren't bad in themselves, they're not evil. But if they're coming in and taking place of what we should be doing, then they do become a distraction and they are pulling our focus away from God. And they are kind of lulling us into this, this sleep that we really want to avoid. And just on that, um, be careful, hey, with what you let into your lives in terms of entertainment. Because there is so much stuff out there and, you know, the world these days, the standards just get lower and lower. And I don't know if it's just my generation, but it seems to be happening quicker and quicker. Stuff that even a few years ago you know, was taboo, is not only okay now, but encouraged. You know what I mean? The standards have just gotten so low. Um, 
I was watching TV a week or two ago. I started watch, I was watching this new show that I'd seen advertised and it was fine. It seemed nice and normal, just about relationships. It was a drama, whatever. And then all of a sudden, this awful scene just came on the screen, part of this TV show. It was just a awful, disgusting, graphic scene of sin and ugliness. It just came out of nowhere and I was shocked and disturbed, like it was awful. So I turned it off, I didn't watch it anymore. Um, but then even a few days later, I was reading a new book and this, the same thing happened. It just seemed like a nice normal book and you know, I turned the page and then there's just, just ugliness again. It's like I couldn't get away from it. And um, those two things, they really disturbed me. Like what I had seen was awful and I didn't wanna watch that kind of stuff. And so I prayed about it. I was like, God, what's going on? Why is this affecting me so much? And God reminded me of a scripture. It's Psalm 63, and David says, My soul thirsts for you, my body longs for you, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And as soon as I thought of that scripture, I looked it up, and I was like, yeah, that is just what the world is, isn't it? A dry and weary land where there is no water. And all this stuff that the world is trying to say, yeah, it's okay, it's cool, it's glamorous, it's fine. It's not. It's a dry and weary land. And they're trying to paint it like it's something else, but it's not. We can see it for what it really is. There is nothing out there. Nothing of value or goodness or faith. And that was what God reminded me of. He also reminded me that my reaction was good that I should be disturbed by that stuff and it should be shocking and I should have that reaction and not want to watch that. And I thought as well that not long from now, I'll turn on the TV again and see something similar to that and I'll still turn it off and be annoyed by it. But I won't be shocked by it because it will have become normal. Normal for the world. And sometimes we get tricked as well as Christians into thinking that that's normal for us and that's okay for us to watch and that's okay for us to listen to. But it's not. Like there is a lot of stuff out there that is just not okay for us to watch. Like God has set standards of goodness and holiness that we actually have to follow. And it's not because he is a grumpy old man and he wants to be strict and tell us we can't do that. We can't watch that. It's for our own good because this stuff does get into your soul and it does affect the way you feel. Our aim here is for joy and peace and that's what God provides. But this other stuff that the world throws at us, this violence and, and all this other just gross stuff, it messes with that. It messes with that peace and that joy that you're trying to get from God. It really does get into your soul and, and affects the way you think and the way you feel and it is dangerous. And so the more we fill ourselves up with that stuff, the more we're closing our eyes to the good things of God. So I really encourage you, just be careful with, with what you're watching and what you're letting into your living rooms. It's important. Um, sometimes we actually choose to sleep spiritually. You know, with all the entertainment and distraction, sometimes that just comes on us and we, we don't realise it. All of a sudden, you know, we've got our eyes closed. We've, we've kind of taken our eyes off the road and 
you know, we can bring ourselves back. But sometimes we make a choice to sleep. And it's often because dealing with reality is harder. It's easy to sleep. You just go to bed and feel all nice and warm and comfortable, and you just go to sleep, and it's nice. You know, that's easier than, than waking up and having to go to work and do stuff sometimes. You know what I mean? And so sometimes dealing with spiritual realities is uncomfortable because we're aware of the things of God, and sometimes God asks us to do things that we don't always want to do. When we're aware of the spiritual reality, sometimes God asks us to go up to someone and talk to them about the Lord. Or sometimes he wants us to come to him and, and just deal with some things in our lives that maybe aren't great. He's so gentle and gracious and loving. You know, he does it so lovingly. He does it for our own benefit, but it's uncomfortable. And so sometimes it's just easier to sleep and to avoid all that stuff. But... If we can actually wake ourselves up to that and participate in it, there is so much joy and so much benefit. So I encourage you, don't close your eyes to all of that stuff. Because you're closing your eyes to life, really. That's what life is all about, the fun stuff, you know. So don't miss out on that just because it's easier to sleep your life away. So we're asleep, we need to wake up. So to tell you more about that, beautiful and amazing, Eleanor Tenkard. Thanks, Janelle. Give her a hand. One of the best people in the world. Like, not even exaggerating. Okay, we're sleeping. It's quite scary and dark at the moment. <laughs> Let me read another verse. This is from Luke chapter 9. This is Jesus with his disciples. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Then two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and talked with Jesus. They were glorious to see and they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with them. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter said, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. But even as he was saying this, a cloud came over them and terror gripped them as the cloud covered them. Then a voice from a cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone at the time what they had seen. So this supernatural, glorious moment occurs for these three disciples of Jesus. They get taken up onto the mountain and they fall asleep and they're missing half of it. And then it says, when they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory. This is what's at stake. We know how dangerous it is to be asleep because of what can happen and, and how the risk and, the, and how disturbing it and how important it is to wake up, not just for our own safety or benefit, but because we see Jesus's glory. This is what we live for. This is why. And when we have that revelation of Jesus and who he is, we're awake to the realities of the spiritual world. So what does that look like? How do we, what does that mean? 
Well, when you're awake, your eyes are open. You see and understand what's going on in the world and you contribute. This is physically true. This is how it works. But it's also true spiritually because everything has spiritual depth and we can't, we mustn't hesitate to go there and to acknowledge spiritually what's going on. And, and this is true of, of big, deep, full-on things, but also smaller things, you know. There, there's always a spiritual reality and a spiritual realm to what our normal everyday lives look like. And this, this, this occurs in, in everything. There's natural circumstances and, and relationships and, you know, even the world is kind of onto this concept. Um, do you know the term woke? couple of millennials down here know what I'm talking about. So this is like a, a, like a new slang word, woke. I feel so like white and awkward saying this, <laughs> woke. Um, basically, it means to be truly aware of what's going on. So like current affairs and social activism. This is from urbandictionary.com. Getting woke is like being in the matrix and taking the red pill you get a sudden understanding of what's really going on and you find out you were wrong about much of what you understood to be truth. I understand the extra burden it puts on you, but I still feel everyone needs to get woke. But how true does that sound of like the spiritual world? And Christians talk about the matrix, blue pill, red pill, like it's an allegory. And when I was talking to Janelle about this yesterday, like, oh yeah, oh, it's like that term woke, blah, blah. And she didn't know it so like I explained it to her I'm like so do you want to talk about that or should I and I was like I'll leave the urban slang to you (laughs) but it's true like even in the world they're like it's not just all about the Kardashians like the stuff going on we've got to be active politically and socially and engage and all this stuff but even that they're kind of wrong like sure great but there's a whole other level which is the spiritual realm and that's what's really going on here so We have to engage. We have to lean in because this is where the glory of the Lord shines upon us. And let me read another verse. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says, When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. It's very hard to sleep when you're in the light. This is why we need to stay in the light of Jesus and in his presence because then we stay awake in his, in his presence. We stay awake spiritually. We stay aware of what's going on. And this, this, is, this is the case for so many issues, like to acknowledge the sort of spiritual reality of, of what's going on. And it gives you a lot of peace and, and clarity. Like a lot of the verses that I read about being awake spiritually, they – they link being awake and being sober, like stay sober-minded, be, be awake. 1 Thessalonians says, You are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. So there's this, this link here, which makes sense, doesn't it? Because if you're drunk, you eventually you pass out, like you're unconscious, you're not clear of what's going on, you're not engaged, there's no clarity, there's no control. And so the opposite of that, to be awake is to be sober-minded, to be clear about what's going on, to see things with, with, with clarity and to have control over your choices. And I just love that. So how do we kind of get that? Well, 
the word is so key here. To stay in God's word, he clarifies everything because his word is the ultimate pure truth. And so it's not just a place to go when you want to like be spiritual or this is my like God time so I go to the word. Like it it should affect everything. You know, I love this about Caleb. He's very spiritual and like every conversation we have, he'll just like there's just he'll just have verses like it's not like I don't know we'll be like we'll I'll listen to a podcast or we'll talk about some topic like very random you know just the world and stuff that's happening and he'll often reference a verse well you know it's interesting because like that's in the bible blah 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 like he's always got because that that frames everything because that's the ultimate truth you know just yesterday I was reading in Isaiah And it said, lift up your eyes to the heavens, look at the earth beneath, the heavens will vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants will die like flies. But my salvation will last forever, my righteousness will never fail. And that stood out to me, the earth will wear out like a garment. And it made me think about climate change and global warming and all of this. And that's not an area that I sort of struggle with or have a lot of concerns about, but there it is just clarified that the earth's going to wear out. It's going to get old. And I really believe, and this is also biblical, that we should look after it and do everything we can to to care for and, and nurture the beautiful creation that God has given us. But the earth will still wear out and I'm not afraid and I won't be condemned about that. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's not a big deal, but you're just like, oh, there it is. Okay. So that for me, that just sort of helps me kind of carry on in the truth. Like go to God first and clarify things in scripture and then let the world talk to you. You know what I mean? Not the other way around. Like, I'm so afraid. Oh, this stuff is happening. And then like, okay, what does God say? Like, I mean, that's good too if you have to, you know, get get the word. But if you're in the word, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense, you know. And so the next like alarmist article that I read, I, I just, I'm not afraid. You know what I mean? It's just, you just stay in the word and stay in the spiritual realm because there is one. And we mustn't deny it. And we mustn't be afraid to kind of be spiritual. You know what I mean? I, I pray about, the, the Bible says, pray about everything, worry about nothing. So whatever is causing you anxiety, pray about it. Even if it's small, even if, like I've had that with just like political topics where I'm like, I don't know which, where I stand on this. Pray it through, even small stuff. You're like, oh, that's, yeah, okay. That, yeah, thank you, God. That's my opinion now. Like I have that. So, so go there, go to the spiritual realm because this is where it's at. And so the word is one of the ways that we stay awake and stay aware and stay clear and sober-minded about what is going on. Another way that we do this is through fellowship. It keeps us awake because, you know, when you have to like talk to people, you can't fall asleep. It's harder. It's awkward. (laughs) Every now and then it happens if it's like very late or something. But usually like if you're talking, you don't just like drift off. And it's the same spiritually. Like if you're in these relationships and engaging with people and having these conversations, you know, those kind of people, Janelle, like I talk to her and you're like, wow, like there's stuff happening. You can't just then, I don't know, like it keeps you on that level because they're on that level. So be really intentional about those relationships. And if there's people in your life that you're like, yeah, they've got it. I, I want what they've got, or I love where they're at. Get around them, like be deliberate about that. Don't be complacent about the relationships that God has put in front of you because they're important. And this is one of the ways that we stay sharp and salty and awake. The Bible says, do not neglect meeting together. 
1 John 1, 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. Another way that we stay awake is by serving. Because there's no point being awake if you just lie in bed all day. And I think this is where a lot of Christians can end up because they get that initial revelation of who God is and that there is a spiritual realm and then they just stay there, you know, lying in bed. But the point of all of this isn't to just be like, good, yeah, I know what's happening. It's to actually give and serve and, and be active in your faith and in your, in your own world. The Bible says go into all the world. And that keeps you awake, you know. When you get out of bed and do stuff, then you, again, you don't usually just like then fall asleep. Like, you know, you, you engage with the world around you and, and, and be of value, I read this book, um, The Grasshopper Myth, and there was a cool story about a guy called Norb Kohler. Real name. I Googled it. It's his real name. His name is Norb. So, you know, already he's come up against it and he's really <laughs> come out the other side <laughs> with a name like Norb. But anyway, <laughs> I don't know why I'm trashing him. <laughs> so he... Um, He's American, he's in California and he's standing in this like outdoor mall outside of like a full, you know, those mega malls that they've got and it's got like a multiplex cinema and this whole thing. And he, he has this thought, like what if we brought church here to the people in the mall? Because that's where people kind of live a lot of their life. This is sort of our town center in a way, you know, Aaron Affair and stuff. So he starts this church called Convergence Church and they meet by the fountains for coffee and then they go into one of the theaters. So like their Hoyts. It's, you know, like Thor, Bad Moms 2, and then like Convergence Church. Like for real, that he, they book out a theater and they go in, he shares a word, they worship together for a bit and then they head back out and they fellowship in like, you know, the food court or whatever and the hive at Arena kind of thing. Um, and so during the way, he's their pastor and he spends his sort of ministry hours at the mall. So he, he doesn't have an office. He'll meet people in cafes and restaurants. And he's become like the unofficial chaplain of all the staff there. And even people that have never attended the service told him like, you know, you're our pastor. We consider you our pastor. And so then his daughter, who I think was like a tween, was um, really touched by the story of these young girls being sold into slavery you know, on the other side of the world. So she started this bake sale and they're selling stuff to raise money for this charity around the fountains. And then all these restaurants got on board and like gave stuff as well. And then it's become like this annual thing and like other churches in the community come and they all raise all this money and get together. And he says in the book, for two years in the middle of a suburban mall, people from several small churches and under the radar ministries have mixed with moviegoers, shoppers and on-the-clock restaurant workers to eat, meet, chat and donate money to save the lives of young girls on the other side of the world. Like that's, that's a community that's awake. That's a community that is contributing. And, and we can be that. How inspiring is that? Like there's nothing there that is so like, whoa, whoa, you know, that in Uganda or some crazy, like we can contribute, we can give and, and that's what it means to be awake. That's the whole point. It's not just like, you know, wake up so that you're awake and lying in bed. Like, we've got to step out. And this is such a good time for a church. Like, we're coming into Christmas and we've got so much happening. Engage, come, be involved, bless others, give. Come to the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. Come to the markets. Like, let's get involved and, and, and contribute because that's the whole point of all of this. And we'll miss it. 
how devo would you be if you wait? You know when you wake up and you're like, I missed the whole thing. Like I slept through the movie. I slept. I missed. I missed that whole thing. Some people get to the end of their lives and go, whoa, I slept through it. Slept through the whole thing. They don't even wake up until they face eternity. We mustn't be like that, church. There's too much at stake. When they woke up, they saw the glory. When they woke up, they saw the glory of God. We, saw, we heard while they were sleeping, the enemy came and he robbed them. But when they woke up, they see the glory. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.